0: Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And I am actually talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. I guess this is kind of a different version or form of ups and downs, but only with ups and focused on the entire season. I've realized that throughout the the course of the season in some conversations um, with my mother and my wife, actually, that, you know, I've been very down on the team this year. And well, I mean, that's because they've not been very good, right? And and I think that's going to continue in a lot of ways. But I also realized that there's been a certain amount of... um, silver linings that some people have come to me over the years that I haven't necessarily done as much of this year. And I think, you know what, now might be a good time to kind of take a a little bit of a step back. We're nearing the end of May and just kind of take a look at what are the handful of things that have been going well for the Rockies with the explicit understanding and the caveat though. I'm sure when I post this thing on Twitter, there'll still be people saying, oh, of course, Drew's only focusing on the good things when I've been kind of jumping up and down on the team all year. but. Let's focus on the good things. There's only a handful of them on the position player side, so I'm going to start there. And, and I'm, by the way, sticking entirely to uh, the major league roster right now. You could include several good position player, uh, you know, sort of feelings, I guess, if you want, right now. Silver linings when it comes to position players in AAA, certainly when it comes to. Nolan Jones, the way Alaris Montero has performed lately, uh, even some of the same things we've seen more recently out of Zach Veen, Drew Romo, and so on. But I'm going to keep it at the big league level. So let's start with the best bit of position player news for the Rockies to this point. I'm recording and will be publishing on May 24th, and that is very clearly far and away Elias Diaz. It has never been the case. I I can't say through two months, but certainly it's never been the case through the course of a season that the Colorado Rockies catcher has been their best position player. This has never happened before. I can't recall a time It's my 11th year covering the team, and then, you know, at least five or six years before that, paying very, very close attention, and then several years before that, just sort of being at the very least a casual fan. I cannot recall a time when the Rockies were a couple of months into the season and their best position player was their catcher. But that's where we sit here today, where he would be their all star. Pretty much no questions asked if, if we were doing it based on merit and, and objectivity. I could see voters getting involved and, and maybe Kyle Freeland, and I'll talk about him in a second. Uh, you know, it has often, oddly enough, been the case over the years that when the Rockies are bad and they only get the one you know, sort of token all-star that it ends up being a pitcher, a relief pitcher even, which is strange when you think about the history of, of the team, right? You can think of a lot more position players who've been deserving of, of all-star spots, but a lot of times it's ended up going to, for example, like three-time all-star Brian Fuentes. I believe he's a three-time all-star. I gotta double-check that. Anyway, back to Elias Diaz. Diaz is hitting 345 on the season. He's on basing 400 and he's slugging 500. From a, a hitting standpoint, he's been near the top of the league all season. Not only that, he's near the top of the leagues and le- leagues, I guess both leagues, in National or American League at the top of MLB in batting average in hits with runners in scoring position, uh, batting average with RISP, all that all that kind of stuff, right? Got himself a, a healthy 24 RBI in 42 games played. Uh, of course it always has to be remembered that catchers are are not going to play uh, quite as many games oftentimes they're, they're, they're gonna have to get a couple of days off a week at least one day off a week but Diaz has really carried a pretty heavy load uh, so far this season for the Rockies. So he's got himself a 133 OPS plus right now he's hit four home runs, which isn't a ton. The Rockies in general have not hit a whole lot of home runs. Uh, but he's been incredibly reliable at the plate all season. There there really hasn't been a slump in there. It started from day one, and he's been that guy. Uh, he's got 10 doubles, four homers. Uh, like I said, it's so the slugging over 500. Basically everything you could ask for him offensively. And then on the defensive side, he's been at the top, if not absolutely number one all season in terms of throwing would-be base runners out which is going to be a more and more important statistic, by the way, as teams are trying to steal a lot more often. That's going to become a far more valuable skill to have. And Elias Diaz has proven in the early going of the new rules where a lot of teams are taking advantage and winning ball games on taking that extra 90 feet. They've been less successful against him uh, than anybody else in baseball. And actually, that's true of, of the Rockies' entire catching staff. Although as I mentioned, you know Brian Servant and Austin Wins haven't really done a ton. It's mostly been the Elias Diaz show, so he's the guy right now. He's your all star. It's as strange as it is. He's, he's been great behind the plate. He's been great at the plate. If he can keep it do- going, there should be a, a, a huge campaign for him locally uh, by the team, by fans. You know, I, I get that it's hard to get super excited about anything on this team right now. Uh, you know, for the last couple of years, whatever it is, but. Diaz is, this is a great story, that at 32 years old, this guy had been back and forth, he'd shown glimpses of it, there was that half a season a couple years ago, in the second half of the Rockies, where he just really got hot, but that was after he had been one of the worst qualified hitters in baseball for the first couple of months of that season, so it was tough to know. Then he responds the, the year after, which was last year, by being Fine, nothing to get excited about. At at his age 31 season, you're just going, okay, fine, right? When we were making the long list of things that you might get excited about coming into 2023, I do believe I mentioned, in fact, you can go back and, and see some of the stuff I wrote in spring training, that there was a chance that this catching tandem could be a little bit more exciting than we thought, but it was certainly lower down on the list than, say, guys like Ezekiel Tovar or or whatever that we were excited about, right? So there you have it. Best player of the season so far, to the surprise of just about everyone, has been Elias Diaz. You've also got veterans Charlie Blackman and Chris Bryant hitting fairly well, not getting a ton of love by the park-adjusted metrics because neither one of them is slugging a ton, but both guys with solid batting averages. Charlie Blackman hitting 275 on basing 364, slugging 419, gives him an OPS plus of 103. And Chris Bryant is right behind him with 102, batting 287 on basing. They're both on, on basing exactly the same at 364 and slugging just over 400. So. You know, I think there's a lot more reason to believe that there's more slugging in there from Bryant. He missed a lot of time last year, and there's, you know, I think just his the history of his career shows that he has a tendency to get hot with the power, like a lot of power hitters do. It tends to come in bunches. So I understand that Rockies fans are still you know, kind of waiting for it or looking for it there. But he does quietly have five home runs on the season. And with a, you know, solid month here or there, it's going to be very easy for him to eclipse 20 to 25 home runs this year. But obviously we haven't seen it yet. But we have seen very steady at-bats and production out of both of those guys. Obviously, you want to see even more out of Bryant. And the Charlie Blackman question remains, is this going to be enough to extend his career uh, to extend his career in Denver or is him being you know roughly league average maybe just a a good way to go out and and to remember him as a as a pretty darn good hitter which is what he always was as opposed to what he'd been the last couple of years which was really starting to suffer it looks like this move to full-time DH uh, has paid off for him as many of us thought it would, and, and so again, at age 36, it he's, does he decide, hey, if, if I'm a league average or just above hitter, I can do this another couple of years, uh, and he could be valuable. To, to a 103 OPS plus is something a lot of teams would take, maybe not necessarily out of their primary DH, but it's, it's not nothing, right? So uh, that has been interesting to see. And then, of course, there's always the ongoing question whether or not the Rockies would consider trading him at the deadline, and as I think I've said before, I think that'll be largely up to... Him, you know, if, if if he wants to go and play for a contender to finish out his career and, and the Rockies want to give him that chance. Cool. But they're not going to get a ton for him either way. So if he'd really prefer to stay and almost move like tr- seamlessly into a, a coaching uh, position, though, I'm not sure that's exactly what he want to do. I would be begging him if I was in that front office to stick around in some capacity uh, to help the next group of guys on this team to be around for the Brenton Doyles and the Zach Veens and you hope eventually Benny Montgomery and, and those types of players, right? And and just the institutional knowledge of Charlie Blackman being an incredibly bar- smart baseball mind and somebody who has as much experience in the unique environment of Coors Field as anybody. I just, I don't think that that's an asset you want to uh, lose you know just because you're you're trying to get some like low a reliever at, at this year's trade deadline if that's really going to piss him off just don't do that keep him around you know and so on Beyond that, not a whole lot to get excited about from a position player standpoint, though I do have to give a shout out to Jurixson Profar, who on the season batting 250 on basing 332, uh, slugging 409. That's a 91 OPS plus. Nothing to write home about. He's been a below league average hitter. But then when you remember that Profar basically went O for his first two weeks on the Rockies, and you, you really kind of take a look at what he's done since he set himself. Right, And he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Profar is currently riding a 30-game on-base streak. It's the longest active streak in the majors. It's tied for the second uh, longest this season with Xander Bogarts. And since May 7th, he's hitting 360 with seven doubles, two home runs, nine ribbies. He's got eight multi-hit games since May 7th. Uh, so he had two doubles last night he's been absolutely fantastic since, basically, like I said, since he locked it in. And and I really think you've got to take a look at the weird spring training that he had uh, and, and kind of chalk up his really rough start to that. When you look at his numbers since then, he's been very, very good and I think has made himself a, an extremely valuable, maybe not extremely valuable trade asset, but absolutely the kind of guy who uh, any team out there, would be looking to acquire to to help them uh, move into a postseason run, right? Like, like not for a lot. You're not getting a top prospect for jerks pro Profar. That was never the deal. But as I've mentioned several times before, he was a two-and-a-half win player last year. And it looks like he might be on the kind of pace to be that kind of guy this year. That's a, that's a pretty solid value for some team out there. Position player-wise, like I said, that's it. Still looking for it from the young guys. Still hoping to see more out of Ryan McMahon, though the defense remains fantastic. Ezekiel Tovar is kind of stuck in rookie land of right now you've just got to be happy with the good at-bats and the good defense, and you just hope the results start to come. Nothing terrible, but certainly you're not going to highlight him in a conversation like this. There's just not a lot there. Speaking of not a lot there, I'm not going to belabor this point because we've been talking about it all season, but the starting pitching is just the reason they're just bad, right? It's just been really, really rough. Uh, I'm not going to go through the numbers of each guy. Uh, Connor Siebold has hung in there with an 85 ERA plus. Austin Gombers down at a 78. Ryan Feltner was pitching to an 86, uh, right? Like just nothing super exciting, there the only guy you've got above league average from a starting pitcher standpoint right now is kyle freeland as you might expect at the 130 and i do think you've got to give credit man how to to just especially because he's had two games where he got absolutely blown up and just rocked so if you if you really separate you know his his good games from his bad games this year kyle freeland's had two that are dragging his numbers down and his numbers are still pretty good a 380 RA overall we all know that if you, you know, apply the Rockies caveats there, 388 is fine over 53 innings, but the 130 ERA plus does give you a pretty solid example of, uh, you know, the fact that he, he's still pitching well above the league average, despite the blowups, if those become, you know, fewer and, and farther between he's on his way to having a very nice season. And man, can you imagine how rough this would be if he wasn't, if he was struggling out of the gate, right? Um, in every game other than those two that i've mentioned he's given the rockies a fantastic chance to win the ball game and he and he really is the one guy when you look down and say oh okay he's the starter today rockies got a chance to play themselves a pretty good ball game so you know it's and that's it that's really what you've got from a starting pitcher standpoint especially now with marquez obviously on the il until well into next season However, the brightest spot of this team, as I wrote, it would be in the offseason and then they got off to a bad start. Like the first week and a half, people were like, Drew, I thought you said this bullpen was going to be good. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, you guys. But now they are exactly who I thought they were going to be. Uh, actually, some of them are quite a bit better. Brent Souter has been a phenomenal with a capital P and a capital H. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, I said earlier that it should probably be Elias Diaz, but I've ended up being Brent Suter just because his numbers are so ridiculous. He's got a 0.88 ERA over 30 innings pitched. It's a, an, a not real ERA plus of 573. That's not that's not a real number. That's a, five, a 573 ERA plus. So he's been 473% better than the league average. I don't know. He's he's But he's been incredible, right? He's barely been dinged at all. In 30.2 innings pitched, he's given up three earned runs. He's issued 11 walks. He struck out 28. He's about as good uh, as you could possibly ask for from an offseason bullpen acquisition I've been running over those, you know, history in the making and the videos. Everyone, make sure you're subscribed to Mile High Sports on YouTube. And, uh, you know, you're you're looking back to guys like Chuck McElroy and and Jose Mesa when you're comparing Brent Suter's numbers right now to, you know, the best starts in, in franchise history and really a couple more good outings. And you're looking at Suter as being the guy who, as a reliever, got off to the best start of his Colorado Rockies career, which is, pretty phenomenal and and something you've like I know there's not a lot you got to give the, the front office credit for but hey that's a pretty good pickup uh, Justin Lawrence is right after him in terms of the ERA plus number with an also absolutely ridiculous 209 now that's much more in the realm of reality for some context here about 250 I'd have to go and look at it um, Scott Oberg Gabe White uh, there have been a couple of guys maybe last year I think Daniel Bard you know, you for the season, high two thirties, two forties, two fifties in terms of that ERA plus. That's what you're talking about in terms of the franchise record, right? So Brent Suter's five seventy three. Again, not <laughs> he's not going to do that for the course of the year. That would be a record by a lot. Um, but the the fact that the Rockies have both Justin Lawrence and Jake Bird over two hundred in the ERA plus mark is phenomenal. Now Lawrence has been great. All year, he's kind of like Kyle Freeland had basically one or two games, was like, ah, that one got away from him a little bit. He gave up a couple of runs almost every other time out there. Justin Lawrence has not just been good, he's been dominant. He's been untouchable. Uh, 28 strikeouts, 10 walks. He's given up one dinger on the season. By the way, Suter hasn't given up any. And yeah, just just the guy who's obviously making batters the most uncomfortable Uh, from a Rocky standpoint right now, right? The raw ERA at 242. And Jake Bird, after his first couple of games... Where and they didn't ding up his ERA, and I will say the inherited runners. If you really want to get into the weeds on relievers, like Jake Bird's inherited runners, Mark still doesn't look super fantastic, but who cares? The guy's got a 203 ERA plus, a 32.2 innings pitch. He's got an ERA of 248, like these other guys. Big strikeout numbers, actually, even bigger for him 34 strikeouts to 11 walks. Also, giving up the one dinger on the season. So, man. Like that's three all-star caliber shut down lights out relievers that you've got right there. Uh, two right-handed flamethrowers and Lawrence and Bird and a lefty stuff weirdo. I know he wouldn't have a problem with me calling him that. <laughs> this guy warms up to Jurassic Park. I love Brent Suter, it's the best. Um, so so those guys have been elite, elite, like almost unsustainably. Elite. then you have brad hand who's just been normal elite at 157 you're well above the league average that's where he's been fewer innings picked up uh, i do wonder a little bit uh, how much they're monitoring his health i know he's had some issues over the years um, but uh, he's so he's only pitched 16.2 innings it seems like they're employing him uh strategically uh, the, you know they're uh, picking their their spots with him but again a 324 era 25 strikeouts to seven walks Another lefty, I said this at the beginning of the year, it's absolutely ridiculous that the Rockies went basically from 2017 to 2022 without a reliable lefty, or to put it another way, their most reliable lefty during that time was probably Jake McGee, so (laughs) feel about that however you're going to feel about that. I was like, they're going to come into this season, they're going to have two of them. There were the obvious injury and age caveats with Brent Suter and Brad Hand, but I remember when they picked those guys up thinking, this is remarkable. Like, these guys are so much better than I think people realize. And I get that non-closing relievers don't get a lot of ink. But both players have been pretty good for a while. And the one question, of course, was, well, yeah, but we've seen that with pitchers before who've been pretty good for a while. Then they come to Denver, and they're not pretty good anymore. But these guys are just pitching to their career numbers. Actually, Brent Suter's pitching in the (laughs) stratosphere um, way beyond his career numbers. But Brad Hand is basically just what you'd hope for, right? And as I think I've mentioned a few other times before, from an ERA or peripheral or, or whatever standpoint, the worst reliever of the guys who you're you're actually counting on, back end guys, right? Not nobody who's a long reliever like i mentioned. because even that's been weird. Connor Siebold has had to become a, a starter. <laughs> Anyone who's been a long reliever is basically a starter right now. Although I should mention, I don't have it right here on this list because I sorted baseball reference by ERA plus, and he's not here. So I'm just I'm glad I remembered. Actually, Peter Lambert has been great. So he's not even on the list. I don't have his numbers for you right this second. I'll, I'll catch up again with, with Peter Lambert numbers. But the other guy that I of course wanted to talk about out of the bullpen is Pierce Johnson. Pierce Johnson with his 4.95 ERA and his 103 ERA plus, which puts him barely above the league average, about three percent above, right? And really, that's within the margin of error from giving up runs. From that standpoint, Pierce has been about league average. However, 10 for 10 and save opportunities, right? The way he has sequenced it out, it has been that when he does give up runs, it doesn't cost the Rockies games. They're either uh, already now. I'm trying to remember now if there's a game. There have been a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. So, So essentially his runs are being given up thusly. Either he's got a save opportunity and the Rockies are up three and he gives up one or two runs and still gets the save, which has happened a couple of times the old Brian Fuentes, if you will. Second shout out for him on today's pod. Or, right, a few times that he's come into some games where the Rockies have been down by two or three or four runs already, and Buddy was just kind of out of relievers, didn't want the game to get any more out of hand, wasn't quite ready to turn it over to Alan Trejo yet or, or whatever, right? And Pierce went out there and got knocked around a little bit. But in his... Um, as I said about Kyle Freeland, right? Like in his good games, he hasn't just been good; he's been very, very good. So with Johnson, Hand, Bird, Lawrence, Suter, Peter Lambert, Rockies have a very good bullpen right now, with a chance to get better with the return of Tyler Kinley. Uh, I mentioned Daniel Bard, who's been fine since he's come back shaky here and there his uh statistics aren't uh showing up on this in fact maybe i'll get a reset on this as i'm talking to you in real time and and because i sorted it by uh player players that qualify right so let's go down here and take a look at peter lambert and in 10 innings pitched with a 348 era and a 148 era plus fantastic you absolutely going to take that out of him. Oh, I, I hadn't mentioned, of course, that Chase Anderson has been very serviceable, more than in his two in, uh, two innings, two games pitched so far, right? So you've got to be happy with what you've seen out of Chase Anderson in a very small sample size. Uh, but even he, now that's obviously not in the bullpen, but that's something to, I don't know, hang your hat on. But it's, <laughs> it's a thing. And then, yeah, Daniel Bard, as I mentioned right here, he's only thrown 11 innings with the 0.82 ERA. His ERA plus is, is 628, which, again, not a real number. Too small of a sample size. He's also been pretty darn lucky. Uh, he's issued nine walks and only struck out eight. Uh, eight strikeouts in 11 innings isn't terrible, but it's not good when you've issued... Nine walks. Uh, he's been bailed out of a couple of like bases loaded, one out situations. There was one in particular I can think of off the top of my head where Brad Hand and Brenton Doyle combined um, to save him. So, uh, for example, Bard's FIP fielding independent pitching, which is a guess at what his ERA would be if he wasn't getting so much help from his defense or whatever behind him, uh, other relievers coming in to bail him out in this case too, is 573. So that so that's very high right so so there's there's a little bit of they've been careful with bard and you've seen it he hasn't had his best command uh but at the same time he has been able to get 11 innings of work at a 0.82 ERA help or no help the he's some of it's also been he he gets a big strikeout here and there to bail himself out or to start the bailing out process as it's happened a couple of times so Obviously, working Bard back into it is still a work in process, but if you figure he can tighten it up, Kinley's going to return. There's the possibility of Denelson Lamette, I think, still turning it around for this season. There's just so many good things happening in the bullpen. It's kind of wild. (laughs) Because it's like I don't don't know what to do with all of that in a year where they're still just not going to be great because you need that in, in your starting pitching, not in your relief pitching, but... You know, it is what it is. So you can enjoy that part of the game. Uh, Patrick Saunders put out a tweet, and I don't have the, I don't have it right in front of me and I don't have the exact numbers, but essentially that the team is undefeated when leading after the seventh inning. And the opposite is also true unvictorious when losing after the seventh inning, right? They've, they haven't made any comeback wins, uh, but they also haven't blown any games. And that, that sort of feels like exactly who they are, right? Like, on the days where they show up, their starting pitcher gives them a quality start. More often than not, that's coming from Kyle Freeland. Uh, and you get a little bit of offense. The bullpen's been good enough to hang in there and get some wins. And that's why they've got 20 or 21 wins instead of, like, the 10 that Oakland has, right? That's exactly the reason why. And in the games where they show up and the starter doesn't have it, it's just not a contest. They're just going to lose. And, and that's the team we've seen so far. But... There are your silver linings for the 2023 season so far. Let me know if I missed anything out, if there's anything that you uh, wanted to hear me talk about in a Silver Linings podcast, and I will have your normal ups and downs after the Rockies play these final two games against the Miami Marlins here at Coors Field. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creesman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball.